He was on his way from one spot to another on a tour. And the tour guide, the one riding this bus, driving this bus, is explaining to them as they go along. He's pointing out different things. He's showing them different things. And at one point, they see a bunch of sheep. True story, by the way, okay? They see a bunch of sheep, and there's a shepherd with. And he begins to explain about sheep and shepherding and how this all works. And he said, you know, the one thing you need to note is the shepherd is out in front. And the shepherd is talking and singing and making different noises, and the sheep just follow The shepherd knows every one of his sheep and he's kind and he's gentle and he loves them. And this man that's riding the bus is an author. So he starts writing it down. He said, this is great. That'll preach, you know, and he's writing that down. They get to a stop sign and he stops the bus and a bunch of sheep go running across the road in front and there's nobody in front of them. These sheep are running and there's a man behind him with a stick and he's whacking at them. And he's driving his sheep across the street. And this guy is just turning six shades of red in the bus now. You know, the tour guy just got done with this little message of how it all works. And now these sheep are being whipped and beaten and pushed along. And he finally gets so irate and so defending himself that he gets out of the tour bus. He walks over to the shepherd and he stops and he goes, what are you doing? I just got done teaching about, and he goes through the whole thing. And the guy looks at him and he goes, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. The sheep just got out of the pen. There's a big difference between shepherding your sheep and being with them for your own purposes, driving them, getting what you want out of them. We're told that Jesus is the good shepherd. What does that look like? We're told that Jesus cares for you, knows you. He wants to lead you. What does that look like? We're going to look in John chapter 10 verses 1 through 21 today just to find out what is the shepherd's heart, this Jesus, and how does he shepherd and how should we respond? John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. You know, the ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we're just going to be walking verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand. The ushers will get a Bible to you, okay? Just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. This is one of the great I am passages. Jesus has an I am in here three different times. And uh, we get to learn a lot about him here. Our first point in how does Jesus shepherd and how should I respond? Jesus is the door. Enter through him and have abundant life. Jesus is the door. Enter through him and have abundant life. Let's start with verse 1. Now again, this is the Gospel of John. So he's very dramatic. He loves using illustration. We start out in verse 1. He says, truly, truly. He uses this phrase a number of times throughout the Gospel of John. It's actually, Amen, Amen. Do you hear it? The Amen. So they call this the double Amen. For those of you who love golf, the Amen corner, if you want to call it that. All right? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So let's get this clear. If you enter in through the door, there's a belonging if you're climbing over the wall, if you're climbing in through a window, if you're breaking in, you've got some ill intentions at hand, okay? That's what Jesus is saying. So keep this in mind. Now, as he's saying this, we have to remember who he's talking to. He's been walking along, he's been chairing, he's been chatting, he's been communicating, and so there's a bunch of disciples, and maybe not even disciples, just people following along wanting to see a good show, and they're hanging out around Jesus, and he begins to say this. 
The most likely, you've got to imagine Jesus, the great teacher, there was probably a flock of sheep there that he could point at and begin to make this point. And so people are sitting there and, you know, the sun is beating down and you're kind of chatting with each other a little bit. And he starts to talk. He says, truly, truly. And then he begins to go into this story of sheep and shepherding and how there's a thief. And you can see their eyes begin to squint down as they go, where's he going with this? What's his point? So his first statement, let's keep this clear. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, that man's a thief and a robber. Okay, I get it. All right. Verse two, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, so we're looking at the sheep. We got the shepherd. He's walking in. He belongs. Okay, I think I'm following along, right? Can you imagine these disciples kind of walking with him, right? He says, all right, verse three, to him, the gatekeeper opens. In other words, there's somebody there watching over this whole pen where the sheep are at, and the gatekeeper, the one who watches that door that lets it open and close, says, I know you, you're the shepherd, come on in. Not you, you're not the shepherd, go around, go away. And then they break in through the door, right? We're getting the picture? So shepherd comes through the door, thief breaking in or climbing over the wall, and they're going, okay, I think I get that picture, I'll accept that, so now what? Verse 3. To him, the gatekeeper opens the sheep, hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Do you hear that? The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. In this moment, it begins to get very personal as he's referring to what a true shepherd is like. He knows each sheep and he knows how to care for them. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strengths and he calls them out by name and they know his voice and they respond to him. There's this warmth of relationship that's beginning to be described. Now, for all of them in that community, they'd be able to look and go, yeah, I know. We've seen the shepherd with their sheep. We watch him picking some of them up and talking to them and petting them and leading in front of them and calling out and they follow. We get the image. We understand. You and me today, we're kind of going, really? That's how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. Okay. They hear the sheep, they hear the shepherd's voice, and they follow after. And the shepherd knows the sheep intimately and personally. He says after that, the sheep hears voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he's leading. Verse 4, he explain a little bit more about that. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. The true shepherd leader, the true shepherd leader rallies the troops and then forges the way ahead. The true shepherd does not say, okay, we've got everybody together. Now this is what I need you to do. You go over there, get going. I'm staying here and sends them out. If you just send, if you just drive, if you just challenge and move behind, you begin to create a little bit of chaos at the front. And we get more of this look of a stampede than of an actual leading and following. The godly shepherd is leading the charge. And the sheep hear his voice and know his voice. They follow after. So we have this in front, doing it with, leading the way. That is true shepherding. At this point, they're all kind of squinting deeply and going, right, we're aware of that. Why are you telling us this? Okay. He says in verse five, 
a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In other words, they're very particular about who they're following. They're trusting in one voice. They're knowing one voice. The one who's pouring time into them. The one who's spending the time shaping them, leading them. Verse 6. This is the beautiful, the little black between all your red, right? Jesus is talking a lot here. Here we get the little insight. Verse 6. This figure of speech used with them, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Clueless, okay? So he begins to say these things about sheep and shepherding and relationships, and they're actually going, I guess he thinks we need to know more about sheep. Why does he think we need to know more about sheep? I'm not even a shepherd. Why is he sharing this information with us? Why did he just start talking about the gatekeeper? I'm not a gatekeeper. I guess I'm going to check out. I wonder what I'm going to have for dinner. This is what's kind of going on. We have to picture people are just drain, they're losing it. They're not catching the drift. So Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, decides to make it a little clearer. Okay? So verse 7, Jesus says to them, remember, we're in the main point of Jesus is the door. Enter through him. So Jesus now says, truly, truly. Here we go again, right? Amen, amen. Truth, truth. In other words, hear this hear this. Like this is the little wake up call. You know, as they went to drift, he goes, check back in. This is the meaning. Here we go. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Oh, that's the first point we had. How handy. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. You hear what Jesus is saying? I am the one. We've heard the phrase, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. It comes up in just a few more chapters in John 14. I am the way. Not I am a way. I am the way. He's saying all that came before me, thieves and robbers. They're here to steal the heart. They're about themselves. It's not about me and a relationship with God. He's saying, it's me. I'm the door. Okay. I just got to ask you a question. Think about this for a second. He just got done talking about sheep and shepherds. He got talking about a shepherd who goes through the door and the gatekeeper lets him in. Who would you have thought Jesus was? Think about it for a second. The shepherd. I would have gone with shepherd. I was going with shepherd. I'm starting to study. I'm like, I am the door. I know he says I am the door, but wait a minute. That doesn't fit the analogy as well, does it? What's he doing? So I did a little more study. This is something we need to know. Are these monitors off? Can I step up here okay? All right. I don't want to blow your ear out. All right. So I am the door. What does that mean? Well, first of all, we know what a door is, right? Kind of opens and closes and lets things in and out, right? Okay, that's the deep part of it. All right. So the I am a door, right? Why is that important? Why is Jesus saying I'm a door? How do you use a person as a door? What does that work like? What does that look like? Well, actually, with shepherds, when they actually took their sheep and put them in a pen, what they would do is they would take boulders and they would set them around and then they would stack over the top and stack over the top and they would build a little pen and lay thatching over the top of that like a roof out in the middle of nowhere land. And then there's this opening in the front and so they need a door, right? And so guess what they do? They go like this. All right. And now it's bedtime. And they fall asleep in front of the pen. 
as the door, as the no one goes in and out except that I know about it. That is Jesus, our door. He says, I am establishing a pen, a sheepfold, a safety, and I determine who comes in and who goes out and who is safe. I am the door. Now he's going to go on and say, I am the shepherd. He is the shepherd who is also the door. We need to understand that with great depth. This is a huge eye-opening moment. So he goes on with it. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But then he says after that, verse 9, I am the door. Again, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved. Now, this is a word that we hear used a lot today, okay? Are you saved? Do you know about what is salvation? Saved, saved, saved. We hear all this phrase. What does it mean? How does it work? How do you enter through a person? It's a physical door. How do I do this thing called entering? The metaphor is being answered very clearly. As Jesus says, it's about a relationship with me. It's about I know you and you know me and I allow you through the gate, through the entrance. How does that work? It works in this manner. We've talked about it over the last several weeks, several times, but we got to make sure we get it clear, okay? We all stand in one position, every single human being. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous. That's where we stand. Nobody's perfect. That's kind of easy to accept, right? Like if I were to walk up to you and say, do you believe you're perfect? Would you say yes or no? We'd say no, right? I actually met one person in my life who said yes. They really did. It didn't take much talking to him before I got him to say no, but seriously, they did say yes at first. I'm pretty good. I'm perfect. I'll go with perfect. (laughs) They were mistaken. Okay. There is no one perfect. That's where we stand. But what we also know, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that we all have sinned, been imperfect, missed the mark, and come short of the glory of God. That term is an archery term, a sports term. It means when you're aiming for the bullseye, you miss the bullseye, but you did more than that. You missed the outer rings. You missed everything. You actually came up short, hit the turf, and the sand flew. That's where we're all at. Arrow in the sand didn't hit the mark. It's the sports term, right? And so we've talked about it in basketball, the same thing today, right? You're standing about 23 feet away. You got this monster shot, and your shot goes about 18 feet. So you're like four feet short. And the whole crowd screams. That's what he's saying. We've all shot an air ball. Spiritually, we've all shot an air ball. We have come up short. We are not perfect. We've missed God's mark. And the payment or penalty for that, Romans 6, 23, is eternal separation from him. Death. That's where we all stand. So our problem, we have a holy and righteous God who calls us to holy, righteous living. And we stand in one spot before him. Short. That's where we stand. But he desires relationship with us with all that he has. And so he reaches out in his love and his mercy and he makes the replacement payment available for us. And now he's at the tension of the cross. Holy and righteous, loving and merciful, replacement payment available, and we have a relationship that we can have established with him. Our mighty, merciful shepherd God providing for us. That's what he's talking about when he says you can enter through me. It's that we ask for forgiveness for our mistakes, our shortcomings, our sin nature. But it's also that we don't just say, hey, forgive me for what I did in the past. I'm going to keep doing it in the future. It's, Lord, I want my life to be different. I want to follow after you with all I have. I'm turning and I'm going after you with all I've got. Please forgive me. Use your shed blood to do that. 
That's what it means to enter through him. He's saying, I am the door. Enter through me. Now he takes one step further. He says uh, in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. You see, salvation is not about eternal life in heaven only. It's about life today, right here, right now, having a passionate life with our Savior Shepherd in and out on a daily basis, pasturing, finding pasture. What that means is being able to feed and be healthy, have moments of life and joy and peace and energy and passion for Him and with Him and through Him. Life with our Savior starts today, right here, right now. Amen? It is not about just heaven, the fire insurance plan. What a mistake of a way to go after him. It is all about vibrant life. And he's going to get into that as we talk here. So he says, you can go in and out and find pasture. A little bit more about that thief. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy only. That's his only purpose. Steal, kill, destroy. It's pretty much all about the thief. Whatever the thief wants, the thief will take. Whatever the thief wants to use, the thief will use. It's about him. Steal, kill, destroy. Not Jesus. He's about building up, strengthening, creating a dynamic life. In and out, pasturing. He ends, he says, I have come now. This is the opposite. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. That's our shepherd. Abundant living life in him. It means that each day when you wake up, you don't wake up going, oh, great, another day. It means we wake up saying, I can't believe another opportunity to serve and know you more, Lord. I'm not joking when I say this. I know it sounds like it could be a little simplistic. It's real. Are you experiencing it? It's real. We can have such a passionate relationship with him that from the moment you wake up, you're going, I want to know more of you today. I'm hungry to know more of you today. I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking to myself, as I step out and begin to go after life today, may you be glorified and may I end up knowing you better today than ever before. I want to walk in your green pastures. Life abundant. Do you know him that way? That's what he wants to provide. It's not about just eternal life being in heaven, wandering around. People say, heaven sounds so boring. You know why? Because have, you haven't met the deep relationship of Jesus Christ then. You're thinking about what it would be like to wander around a place for eternity by yourself, figuring things out and exploring. Someday I get bored of it. Well, then you're thinking of it wrong. You've missed the Savior and a relationship with him that is unending and a relationship with him that is so rich and so deep that you'll constantly learn more of him and never get enough of him. That's our Savior. You know, we said Jesus is the door. Enter through and have abundant life. My question to you is simply this. Have you entered through? Have you made a commitment to him that starts with, I'm sorry. I've gone my own way. Do you have that moment in time where you know you said, I've given him my life. I've said, go in the wrong direction. It's time for me to turn and run after you as my Lord, as my shepherd. Please forgive me with your shed blood. I want a life with you. If you haven't, today's the day. Now's the time. There's no better time than the present. There's no better time. 
Maybe you have. Then now is the time to say, do I experience that abundant life with him? Or am I just kind of wandering around with him, sometimes listening and sometimes not? Abundant life, full pasturing, in and out every day with him, knowing him deeper and richer every day. Am I experiencing that? It's time to experience that with him. Jesus is the door. Enter through him. Second point, Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Trust him with your life. Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Trust him with your life. We'll start with the second I am. The first one was I am the door. The second one in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Not just I am the shepherd, but I am the good shepherd. Are you hearing it? They put an adjective in front. They didn't often use the word good in front of things. You don't walk up and call somebody a good teacher. Remember, we talked about that several weeks ago. Good was meaning unbelievable. When you throw that word in front of something, you mean something unbelievable. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Unbelievable shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We talked about it in point number one, but Jesus going to the cross, his choice for you and for me, laying down his life for you and for me, for daily living with him. Now he says, let's contrast a little bit. So that's good shepherd. What's it look like to be something other than that? Verse 12. Well, there's the hired hand. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. What's that look like? Well, A, you're being paid to do the job. Okay. So you don't own the sheep. It says who does not own the sheep. Number two, you see a wolf coming and you leave. You flee. Okay. That's the hired hand. Like these are my sheep. I'm not that committed to them. I don't know any of their names and I don't really give a rip. I'm paid $4 an hour. See ya. Do you know what I'm talking about? The hired hand. I'm not paid to do that much. That's what they're saying. Okay. I'm paid to be here to make sure they kind of get cared for. And then I'm out of here. I flee. Well, what does it say after that about the fleeing? He says he flees because he is the hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. You know, there's a a catch in the bottom of that as we see him running, as we see him fleeing. He doesn't own him. He sees the wolf. He's leaving him and he's fleeing. The wolf gets him. He doesn't care about him. Are you getting the picture? There's no relationship. There's no relationship at all. It's pretty much just bolt, right? You know, I actually did a little bit of research on it. I was thinking, well, that's pretty horrible. That sounds like he's a poor shepherd. What'd you hire that guy for? Do you know what actually turns out in the law? Exodus chapter 22, verse 13. Hired hands were not responsible for the death of a sheep. Did you know that? Like if a sheep gets killed, just bring the body back and say, this is what happened. And then there's no recompense for it. You don't have to pay for it. Okay. But if a sheep gets lost, your fault. So the hired hand was paid strictly to keep track of them. But if the beast comes, not your issue. That was law. Okay. So what he's saying, Jesus is saying is it's not about bad guy doesn't do his job and good guy who does. It's about guy doing his job, but it's still about himself and about me well above sacrificing all I've got as the owner of my sheep. Do you hear the difference? Jesus is saying, I'm the owner. I'm acting as the owner. I'm laying my life down for. It's all about putting myself on the line. Does not own the sheep, but he sees them and flees. Have you ever been in the woods, in the dark, 
We probably go, why would I do that? Because you're hunting. I go out hunting with my family. We get out early in the morning. This is a true story. Got up along a fence line, sat down. We're ready to go deer hunting. So I got my gun in my lap, sit down against a tree. And I'm sitting there in the dark. And all of a sudden I hear, like you hear the footprints going through the leaves, you know, the, the footsteps. And I can look and I can see brown, but whatever that animal is has black on it too. And a lot of black. And I can see it moving through in the darkness and I can't figure out what it is. And it's coming right down the path that I just walked on. And it's coming right up at me. And I can tell it's smelling the ground as it's going. And then as it gets close enough, I can see that's a big dog, man. And I start pulling up the gun. I'm like, I'm glad I got a gun in the dark. And I'm holding that thing up as this big dog is coming at me. And it turns out it's a German shepherd running through the woods, smelling my trail and running up at me. And I'm going, whoa. And now you start to get the shakes. You know what I'm talking about? You're like in the dark and you're going, what is that? And it steps out into the opening and it stops and sits down and starts panting. And then I can tell it's Ruth, this giant German shepherd dog from the neighborhood's farm, from the neighbor's farm. And she comes running over and she starts licking me and all that. Okay, so it makes a little difference to see it at four feet when I know who she is. But let me tell you something. Seeing that animal in the dark without the gun, I'd have been fleeing. Like I get the flea statement. You know what I mean? When you're standing there having to take on the wild beast of an animal, that's a big moment. We think about David where it says he killed the lions and bears with his hands. Are you kidding me? I was freaking out for a dog that had a chain around its neck that said Ruth on it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, think about that. That's a big moment to be standing up against the wild animal, okay? Jesus Christ did more than that. He took on the weight of the entire world for us. He faced adversity for you and for me with all he had. Laying his life on the line. Trust him. He laid his life on the line for you. Trust him with all you've got. It's about a passionate following after because of all that he's done for you. And it started with facing a world of pain and rejection for you and for me. Our great God, our great shepherd, laying his life on the line. Trust him with all you've got. Are you leaning on yourself? It's time to let go. It's time to start leaning on him, our good shepherd. So first, we need to enter through him. Jesus is the door. Second, we need to trust him. He lays down his life for us. And lastly, Jesus knows his sheep and they know him personally. Listen to his voice. Jesus knows his sheep and they know him personally. Listen to his voice. So we go to the third I am here. First was I am the door. The next one was I am the good shepherd. The third one is a repeat. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Let's get this clear, okay, guys? I'm a good shepherd for a number of reasons. Here's sequence number two, okay? He's making a strong point. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you see how the points I'm putting up are God's word? I'm not trying to be crafty and creative. This is God's word, okay? I know my own and my own know me. So let's look at this. Let's break it down. I know my own. He knows every little thing about you. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows your likes and your dislikes. He knows your passions. He knows what completely makes you bored. He completely understands who you are. He knows you. 
But more than that, my own know me. What a great test and measure for us as we begin to say, did I enter through the gate? Am I trusting him? Do I know him? Or do I just know about him? I need to know him with all I've got. I need to know his character. I need to know his likes and dislikes, his passions, what completely bores him and has nothing to do with what he wants to be about and what he is totally excited about being about. Do you know your Savior? Do you know your shepherd? We can know him with all we have and go after him with all we have. Now he takes a step further. He said, I know my own and my own know me. Get ready. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Okay, let that sink in a little bit. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I'm giving it 10 or 20 seconds. Are you feeling that? You have the chance to know him. Know him as much as God the Father and God the Son know each other. You have a chance to have a relationship with him at that depth, at that level. What a great opportunity to know him. Just as the Father knows the Son. He says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Did you know that? He has two folds. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So one fold. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Israelites. He's talking about the Jewish believers. Those that are following after him from his faith, from his walk. That center of the Jewish core who follow after him. That fold. But there's another fold. This Gentile fold who's also believers. Now, for the Jews, they're going, what are you talking about? There's another fold? I thought we were it. Are you kidding me? I thought we were the fold. He's going, no, there's actually a Gentile fold as well. And they're coming. They're following after me. As Jesus is saying this, this is a revolutionary statement for them. They're amazed as they hear this. There are two folds. I thought it was just us. I thought there was one fold and we were it. So Jesus starts explaining more. He says, now we may know you, uh, we may know each other deeply. And then he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. They will listen to my voice. What does it mean to be a believer or a follower in Jesus Christ? It means that we listen to his voice. It means that we respond to him in passion. It means that we run after him with all that we've got. As our shepherd begins to go out, we go with. As our shepherd says, this is the way it's going to be, we say, great, let's go with. I'm following you. I'm listening to your voice. I'm hearing of you. I know of you deeply. And I know that you know me and love me. I am going after you with all I've got. There is a Gentile fold. There is a Jewish fold and the two folds together become one flock. So there's the folds and the flock and the flock is all those who believe in Jesus Christ and run hard after him. The church, we get brought together in one place, knowing him and passionately seeking after him. The called out ones, the flock, 
of Jesus Christ. What a great privilege. There is one shepherd, one flock, two folds. That's what he's saying, okay? Now, as he makes this a little more clear for us, we begin to get the picture of what he's focusing on. He says, not only does he bring them together and there's one shepherd and one flock, he says, for this reason the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. Sacrifice and service. That's what the holy, holy God of the universe is all about. Sacrifice and service. Jesus laying his down his life for us that we may listen to him and hear his voice. I just want to ask you a question. How do you listen to the voice of God? Think about it for a little bit. How do you personally listen? Getting an answer? Okay. So I thought I'd put another scripture together with this that may help us in listening to the voice of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This passage says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Are you hearing the shepherding in it? And he will direct your paths. So the shepherding statement in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Lean not. Acknowledge him. Okay, it's a verse with a lot of you may have heard before. You're like, okay, yeah, I know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Okay, let's put it to brass tacks. So how are you trusting in the Lord in all that you do? How are you leaning upon him and trusting in him? Well, probably the best step you can do is go after time in the word and letting the Holy Spirit communicate with you through that. Time in the word and letting the Holy Spirit communicate. It is the best way to know who he is, to understand what he wants, and to go after it with all you've got trusting in him. Time in the word. I'm not talking about once a month. Maybe I look at a phrase. I'm talking about a regular diet of in the word. I'm talking about actually going out to the green pastures daily and getting fed, going after a relationship with him, deep relationship with him. Time in the word. I've said it before, but a great way to do this is just go through a passage or two or three until you run across something where you go, That hit me in the face. I didn't know that was true or yeah, I'm pretty much not doing that right. And stop and say, that's my challenge for the day. Write it down and go after it. Lord, may this be my challenge for this day. Maybe it's big enough that you go, my Lord, may this be this, my challenge for this month, for this year. You might run into something very significant that you're needing to address before him. Ask for his power to work in you, his word and his truth of what he wants that you follow after it. You're beginning to hear his voice in your life. Go after him with all you got. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. You know, one of these, like, I know exactly what's going on. They were a jerk. I know exactly what's going on. I got ripped off. I know, right? Are you hearing it? And we're making it the me against the world kind of thing. And so we know enough detail to get ticked off, but we don't know enough detail to actually see God's hand in it all. Not that kind of leaning, okay? Not the kind of leaning that says, I got my arms big enough around this. And you're standing there against a sequoia tree like this, you know, and you go, I got it. No, you don't. (laughs) Don't lean on your own understanding. Okay. We don't need to do it. Let down, let go and step away from your understanding. Still your voice before him. That's the best way I can say it. How often are we complainers and grumblers? Oh, don't leave me standing up here. How often are we complainers and grumblers, right? 
That's when we're going, I'm leaning on my own understanding, thank you. Do you understand? That's when we're leaning on our own understanding. As soon as we get his gist of what he's doing in it, now we've let go and we're leaning on him. Trust in the Lord. Still your voice. Lean on, lean on him, not yourself. And last is acknowledge him in all your ways. And I got to tell you, this is probably the one that I struggled with the most. And I feel like in the moment, I just learned something in March that has really transformed an experience for me. It was in a class I was taking. Uh, it's called pra- Practicing the Presence of God. I've talked about it a couple times from up front here. But Practicing the Presence of God, it means in the moment, not talking to him in prayer, not receiving from him in reading, but just sitting quietly in recognition that he is the sovereign God of the universe, fully in charge of all things. He speaks and it comes into existence. He wills and it happens. And he is everywhere, including right here with me. May I stop my lips from moving. May I stop my eyes from reading. And may I just sense your presence and acknowledge you as being in charge. Listening to the voice of God. You know, that's three things that I do. I'm not saying that that's three things you have to do. It comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I will say this. It is essential that you hear the voice of your shepherd. He is leading you. He is stepping out and it's time to follow. Are you ready to go after him with all you've got? As he closes out here, he gives us a neat little insight about who Jesus is. Verses 18 and 19, he says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. This is his life. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Does Jesus Christ just get pushed around? I have authority to take my life and lay it down and to pick it up. I have authority and I choose to do it. I lay my life down for you. And then he closes with this charge I have received from my father. Now, this is really an important little moment, just so you get this. Philippians 2, Romans chapter 10, they say that God raised Jesus from the dead. And we have to be really careful. So God the Father is raising Jesus from the dead, but then this says, I had the authority to pick it up myself. What we have here is an answer of how that happens. Jesus saying, I'm laying down and I'm picking up willingly, but God the Father wills that that happens. And they work together. God the Father giving the charge, God the Son giving the response, and there's a willing response and interaction together. So it's accurate to say that there's a raising from the dead by God the Father. And it's accurate to say there's an authoritative laying down and picking up by Jesus Christ as they work together, as they work together, a loving, caring relationship. Question, go all the way back to the beginning. The gatekeeper, who would the gatekeeper possibly be? God the Father. And we see this interaction going on of God the Father and God the Son, this great relationship between them, okay? What we need to see as we close this third point is that Jesus knows you deeply and personally and passionately. And he wants you to know him deeply and personally and passionately with all you've got to listen to his voice to hear him speak.
I'll just close with this story real quickly. True story, by the way. There are four shepherds. They are in a city. It's outside of Jerusalem, but they're in a city, okay? And there's four shepherds in their flock, and they're all sitting on the edge of the city. Cars are zipping by, horns are honking, people are talking. The sheep are all milling right there. One of the shepherds turns and starts walking away, and he just starts singing a little song, you know, just kind of whistling a tune, singing a song. They hear his voice, and a portion of the sheep peel off and start following him, and the rest just sit there. And then one of the other shepherds, after talking for a little bit, kind of hits the guy on the shoulder and goes, yeah, whatever, I'm out of here. And he turns and starts walking away. He starts whistling and singing a little song. And another portion of the sheep peel off and start following him. And the guy who was watching this happen, watched all four shepherds split up and go their own way. And each one sang and talked a little bit as they moved out. And they heard their voice of their shepherd. And the sheep followed the right shepherd and took off and followed after as they all split up. In the midst of the busyness of this world, in the midst of the traffic, in the midst of the noise, are you hearing the still small voice of your shepherd as his voice is calling you out? Are you hearing his voice and following after with all you've got? Listen to the voice of God Almighty. You can know him as much as the Father knows the Son. You can know him as much as the Son knows the Father. You can have relationship of depth and passion and joy and you can be led out and you can know exactly where he chooses you to be as you listen to his voice. Are you ready to respond? What's the noise in your world? What's the distraction? It's time for it to go. Forget the distraction. Go to hearing his voice with all you've got. The shepherd is calling you.